you know that the guy that manages that entire like event Mm -hmm. is Lance Hendrickson. Like it's Lance Hendrickson and he's smoking some weird like European format of cigarette that we've never seen before. Yeah. And that sounds about right. You know, they're, they're, they're like, thank you everybody for joining us for the annual Red Bull hunting fiasco. Mm-hmm. Uh, VIPs don't go anywhere. We will begin hunting a vagrant human that we collected yeah. off the streets of London oh, late exactly. last night. Yes. That will begin as soon as everyone else gets on their way. Yeah. But don't worry. But we're still waiting uh, on Nick DeVries. Your... Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Although Nick DeVries <laughs> might be the, me be like mistaken. He might be the, the human orphan. being hunted. Yes. <laughs> yes. He might be the uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme in this hard target scenario. He might uh, be uh, hard, the uh, iced tea there's, there's, in the uh, most deadliest yes, game. the most dangerous game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dangerous yeah, yeah, game. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, both good. phenomenal, both phenomenal movies, both yes. based on the same exact premise. One, mm-hmm. iced tea. And is it Arnold Vosloo? Is that the guy's name? Who's the, who's the bad guy? He's and the, then, the creep looking guy. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like most nice. Looks kind of like Billy Zane, but mm-hmm. like he's like discount Billy Zane, even though Billy Zane is probably the discount version of like, I don't know, Bruce Willis or something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Hard, hard target. Enormous fan of hard target. It was, it wasn't the first, but it was one of the first John Woo movies made in the United States. Okay. That makes sense. That, that would sense. explain all the, you know, slow motion doves and yes. and whatnot. Coupled has, perfectly with Jean-Claude's balletic uh performance. Yeah. yeah. And and pseudo Cajun mm-hmm. uh backstory. Yeah. But that that move both both of those movies are like 90s action trash yeah. gems. Yeah. I'm sure they highly recommend. Like don't hold up if you if we go back to them and mm-mm, mm-mm, I'm sure mm-mm, that mm-mm. there's No, no, it's I'm al- it's I'm almost certain hard. hard target is Hard target uh Van Dam punches a snake in the face. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's I, yeah. I feel like it's a rattlesnake. Yeah. Uh um, yeah, 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 yeah. It might even happen while he's, he's doing a he's split. In, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the in the bayou. Uh, all right, all right. We've got a, there's a yeah. lot there's yeah. a lot to cover this week. No time for shenanigans. I mean, yeah. there, sorry, only time for nonstop shenanigans. Yes. Uh, let's let's just get on with it. Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. This is our Formula One podcast. This is just a couple of best friends who love chopping it up uh, about hunting the most dangerous game. But uh, more frequently, (laughs) we end up talking about Formula One, which is our favorite sport. It's the sport we love, even when it doesn't love us back. I'm one of the hosts. My name is Corey Willis. I'm a writer, actor, improviser out here in Los Angeles, California. And this is John Lapore. I'm a creative consultant designing the future for film, technology, and automotive. Um, all right, I'm just going to run down the the bullet list of what mm-hmm. we've got to mm-hmm. cover today. So we've got uh, in the trash corner, we've mm-hmm. got Drive to Survive season six, which we are both partway through. We can we could talk about some initial reactions yep. there. Yep. Uh, we've got a little conspiracy closet with 
the real reason for Gunther Steiner's departure, Mm -hmm. supposedly. Mm -hmm. We've got a a very unfortunate uh, uh, Horner Corner, which is becoming a pervasive topic that we have to keep revisiting and we apologize everybody we will shut down the horner corner yeah. the first moment that we have the opportunity to do so but unfortunately there are developments in yeah. the and horner corner he is unfortunately a podcast pest that we have to deal with right now um he's yes an unconfirmed sex pest uh but he is definitely a podcast pest at this point um, but then we'll, God. we'll, we'll get into the, the, the true thing, the thing that matters the most to dedicated F1 fans and maybe even new F1 fans, which is all the but testing. It? I mean, it does, it doesn't, but does it, it, it but doesn't does really it? matter, but does it, uh, it doesn't also, we've uh, got car- cars are on track. Cars yes, are on track. Yes. That's exciting. That's yes. thrilling. Yeah. There's definitely plenty to discuss there. Uh, and also, uh, want to throw out a big old mea culpa to Ferrari for not discussing their car launch. Um, look, sometimes we slip up here at the F1 files. Sometimes we talk about stuff so much offline that it just doesn't make it onto the podcast. And then we finish recording a podcast. And then, for- <laughs> and then we, we casually make no mention of the single most important team <laughs> yes. to ever be a part of yeah. the sport. Yeah. Yeah. So apologies, apologies. Uh, but there is a lot going on, uh, a whole lot going on. Where, where are we getting started here, Johnny? Uh, well, real quick, I just want to reflect on the mm-hmm. fact that had a chance to uh, have a F1 Files Summit in, in mm-hmm. Los Angeles uh, late last week, where we also failed, as usual, to record a podcast yeah. in person, yeah. uh, which uh, we're still yet to have achieved <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. uh, even even once in, yeah. yep. in now the two-plus years of the F1 Files. Multiple times uh, when we've but had hey, the opportunity, had the equipment, but then just been, we've been like, hey, you know what? I just want to catch up with my friend and don't want to necessarily set up a podcast first to do so. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, we uh, we had a wonderful time at the Peterson Automotive Museum. Yeah. Uh, which is a wonderful, delightful collection of automobiles. Uh, managed our way into the vault of the Peterson, which mm-hmm. was- Tried to sneak a, our way tr- in. Tried to sneak our way yes, in. Yes, yeah. Got shut down pretty hard, but pleasantly, um, but did get shut down hard. And then had to go up and purchase our tickets like a couple of pedestrians. Um, yep, we thought. Yeah, we thought we thought we were special. Yeah, uh, yeah. But in the end, we ended up feeling real special. Yes. Why? Because the docent of all docents, yep. uh, uh, Formula One aficionado and holder of the secrets mm-hmm. of the Peterson's Formula One collection, uh, Docent Jeff. Yes. Got to give a huge shout out to you. Uh, Jeff out. spent nearly an hour with the two of us uh, walking through the the Peterson's collection of F1 cars, mm-hmm. which is in- incredible collection, yeah. but also just to spend time uh, hearing about it direct from Jeff, who uh, I have to note, I think started off the conversation by, you know, once he had detected that we fancied ourselves Formula One enthusiasts 
And, you know, he he'd say, oh, did you notice, you know, the cars are in collection? Did you notice that some of them were driven by? And we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. We, we noticed that yes. we were we were aware of that. And, he, you know, he's well, did you also notice that? Yes, 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 we we did notice that. And then he he raised an eyebrow. He like leaned forward, put his weight on one foot, <laughs> leaned forward towards us. And he said, like, would you like to head back over to the Formula One cars? And we'll see if we can go tit for tat on formula one insight and knowledge and mm-hmm. like both of us immediately clasped yeah. our hands together and it was it was a joyous i don't know 45 plus minutes that we spent with with jeff so jeff thank you so much for for your time and your expertise that was for me a highlight yeah. of the whole trip out to LA. agreed agreed yeah he definitely showed up uh almost like materialized out of nothing uh, and to the point yeah. of yes. like, he, yes. he, he like stuck <laughs> with us so long that he quite literally had to make the, like the muse, the exhibit is closing announcement, just like casually in conversation because we were talking for so long that he was like, oh yeah. And by the way, the museum does close at five and it's like, oh wait, wait, what time is it? I didn't even realize I'm like, oh God, we've been here for like 45 minutes just talking about our love of this sport. Uh, it was great. It was so wonderful. I really, I mean, like it, the way you describe him materializing out of nothing in yeah. in front of us is like I I do like I do wonder like was was Jeff even real? Was I know, the that's... real Jeff inside of both of us? Yeah, the whole time. Yeah, what was it? Was there like a, a leak in the the tire <laughs> of the Ayrton Senna Lotus? that was in there and and that that leak came out and formed jeff yeah. before us ah, uh, that's what it felt it like it magic is. it definitely was was magical and yeah. was like you know and i sensed that as we parted jeff that he was also like looking at us and just being like and you know and i send you back out into the mm-hmm. into the universe mm-hmm. gentlemen yeah it was i mean I hope that they let him out of there if he is some sort of like trapped <laughs> specter because it is in the basement of uh, of of a building uh, in Los Angeles. So he should get out and mm-hmm. get some fresh air every once in a while. But also John and I were like, oh, we could just like the gentle hum of the uh, the climate control systems down there because these are all like historic cars that are all uh garaged Mm -hmm. like the gentle hum of all those hvac units like we were both like oh yeah we could easily just like go to sleep here and like just fall asleep to the gentle hum also the fact that that, like we noticed there were no like acrid smells this is like something as car enthusiasts as people who have gone to the track uh and also spent time at uh, a track with our own vehicles like the smell that comes off of cars when they're put to the test is not a pleasant one. Uh, it's something that like I enjoy because I'm like, a... you can, you can fall in love with it. Exactly. Due to its association, but it is not uh, objectively a yeah. pleasant it's smell. Like, and yeah, it was completely... it's like Marmite. It's like Marmite. If you've ever had yeah, yeah. Marmite, um, uh, which is this like savory, tangy, disgusting spread that uh, a bunch of Kiwis and Aussies uh, use then you'll you'll appreciate this um but yeah it was it was an interesting interesting bunch of smells that we we didn't get to 
to really get into. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I mean, I think, yeah, it was just a, a airtight operation that they're yeah. running over there at yeah. the Peterson. Yeah. Uh, shout out to, to them when you find yourself in Los Angeles, make sure you get over there and make sure you go visit the vault underneath yes. the museum because that's where every penny that's, that's where the real, the real gems are. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, uh, Oh, that was Let's so pleasant. Die. Now we got to talk about. Uh, yes. Now we got to talk about modern F1. Uh, now we got to talk about modern F1. Well, not totally modern. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about last season's Formula One through the lens of yeah. Drive to Survive. Uh, the All episodes of season six dropped uh, last Friday. Mm-hmm. And are are out there as they've kind of gotten into the routine of doing like perfectly in concert with the start of the season or the final week before the season kicks into gear. Yeah, uh, I had a chance to buzz through um, a little more than half of the episodes. I think you had done yep, about, I'm, I'm the, about same. the same. Yeah, um, I'm in general. I'm a fan of Drive to Survive. Yeah, I like that it's out there. I very clearly remember a time where you had no detail or access mm-hmm. uh, to this sort of information and whatnot. I'm sympathetic to the diehard purists who like to moan and groan about, you know, the inaccuracies or how overly produced or how much they sort of like stretch the truth or the narrative, yeah. you know, yeah. of of the season. But I also uh, I am. I'm in full support of Drive to Survive, especially given that it's something that's launched a lot of attention towards the sport yeah. as a, as a whole. Attention and, in the U.S. too. It's not just yes, like because yeah. it's an international. It's it's the second most popular sport on the planet, uh, aside from soccer or football. Uh, but the rest of the planet is keenly aware of F1 and its dominance within the sporting culture. But here in the U.S., we just weren't. Like John and I would have these hushed conversations away from our groups of friends mm-hmm. uh, because they didn't want to hear about this stuff. But now there's there are like literal like bunches of like neighborhood dads who you discuss this stuff with, and like I yep. discuss this within the improv community. I can't tell you how wild it is to have a bunch of improv nerds and like comedy people who are aware of this thing that I'm like so obsessed with. Um, So it's like, it is peculiar. I went from like, oh man, I can't really reference anything that has to do with like car racing. Or if like we get a suggestion before an improv scene that has to do with like car racing or formula one specifically, somehow that does come up every once in a while. And I have to like tamp down all of my nerdiness and just be like, no, Mm-hmm. don't just turn this into a ted talk yep. where you explain f1 to people for 20 minutes just enjoy the world and now there are like casual references that happen there are podcasts on comedy networks that are focused on f1 and drive to survive like it is it has grown beyond anything i ever could have imagined anything i'm sure we could have ever imagined um so i do also appreciate the drive to survive series and I think they're doing it right. They like figured it out. I mean, yeah, there's some corniness in there for sure, but there's yeah. some yeah, overproduced yeah. nonsense. But good. I'll take it. It's a show. It's a reality show. 
Like, of course it's yeah. going to be overproduced yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and kind of like full of nonsense. Um, so, I mean, to that end, mm-hmm. I think still my favorite part of this season and maybe one of my favorite parts because I'm a, I'm a trash head. Yeah. I just loved the opening of the very first episode with James Bond villain Lawrence Stroll yep. arriving at this, you know, banquet gala, mm-hmm. whatever, for the launch of the the new season. Yeah. And just the way that they captured that and the way that they played up like this guy's a bazillionaire supervillain. Um, mm-hmm. there is a edit of it that's going around on social media. Yep. With the theme music from the show Succession. Succession. Yes. Yeah. And it is so dead on. It yeah. is so like literally the sh- the HBO series Succession, which is beloved by many mm-hmm. um, because it's glamorous locations populated with just awful human beings. It's this it's dead on exactly the same like there's yeah. everything from like the caterers being all nervous and like you know being instructed to fix the needless details that mm-hmm. really who's ever going to care but you have to obsess over this stuff cuz god forbid you upset you know Mr. Stroll yeah. and and all this as the, the, uh, the I, I just found like tussles Michael Douglas's hair while sitting on a couch yeah. he like does like the tussle yep. and it was like Dude, that's yep. Michael Douglas. You just did that too. What is happening? No, that's oh, that's a that so is cool. definitely a that's a very very power move. Yeah, sort of. Uh, it's wild. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I th- that uh, the the moment that that sequence unfolded, I was kind of like hooked right in. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, all right, I'm ready, ready for for some new drive to survive goodness. Like they get who they are and what they're doing. Uh, I think the first couple Mm -hmm. of seasons of drive to survive, there was this like over the top, like the way that you have to behave around like rock stars or like important people where you're like, Oh yeah. What you do is authentic and real and cool. And like, no one pokes fun about, you know, no one pokes fun at you. The moment you leave a room, like that was the way the first like two or three series of Drive to Survive. But then this most recent, like actually, I guess the last couple have been like pain, like not painfully, joyfully aware of yeah, what like what the show is. I mean, we even had like a return to the vineyard with uh, Mateo and yep. Gunther. Like they know what yep. butters their bread. So I, I really do. I really do appreciate that. Um, I, I love, I love what they've done. Uh, I love. Oh wow! I'm just immediate. As soon as I said I love what they've done, it kind of sounds like Lawrence Stroll doing the Men's Warehouse. Um, like I just immediately <laughs> transposed those two people. Um, but that's yeah. I think it's it's self aware in a way that is refreshing uh, for me at least because. I spent a lot of time watching this sport where we didn't have access to any of this stuff and it was all just like tabloid gossip and nonsense. So like yep. seeing it on a Netflix show is actually really nice, really nice and really refreshing. Um, yeah. I appreciate the sort of intentional trash mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. What else from the the first, what was it, like six uh, episodes that we've each watched? What, what else popped out there? All right. So uh, just as you said, some of the cartoonish characterizations from Stroll mm-hmm. to uh, Christian Horner out mm-hmm. at a hunting retreat with, yeah. with everybody doing the most obnoxiously bougie stuff imaginable to... Uh. Uh, Gunther and Mattia in a, you know, in the, in the Fiat, in the vineyards and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, all, all great stuff. Um, so I'm keenly aware of the fact that for the entire team producing drive to survive, they've been faced with a nightmare, yes. which is that they have basically just at the time that they are finishing this unbelievably carefully and exhaustingly crafted series. Mm-hmm. The F1 world went crazy yes. with the back-to-back news of Andretti, which maybe will just be a storyline in and of its own yeah. in, in season seven, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I'm curious to see if there's even hints of the Andretti story in in season six in the later episodes, but I haven't seen any traces of it yet. Mm-hmm. Then we immediately have Lewis to Ferrari, mm-hmm. and we have the the Christian Horner uh, stood facing a corner. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we have two of those things are not just monumental, but monumental for like the drive to survive yeah. world of like the fascinating things unfolding off track. Yes, yeah, and so. I my I had no expectation that those things would be addressed in this series because I know that it would be like oh they can't recut you it's know, impossible it's uh, yeah uh, you know ninety minutes of this you know I don't know six hour series around these pivotal things like they just don't have the time yeah to. yeah um and so i had been speculating that you know the series ends with the the animal house you know text on screen uh-huh. updates of what happened you know shortly after these these stories closed out and whatnot um but instead it would appear as though they went through and they just cherry picked yeah. just a few things like they definitely i think when these things when these news stories developed they probably had like the assistant editor SEAL Team 6 were told, like, go back through all the footage yeah. and find anything that seems like it's evidence or foreshadowing or mm-hmm. just alluding to these things. And so we have we have these things that are sprinkled throughout the episodes. And it does seem what is probably the last thing to be edited is every episode has a next time on. Yeah. And they seem to almost, and this is almost a little disingenuous. They almost seem to make it appear as though the next time on was going to address these things by leaning extra hard into like, uh, there's, uh, Lewis, you know, taking off, in a Mercedes sports car for a promo film shoot earlier than he's supposed yep. to. And like someone going like, Lewis, come back, come like, back. Yeah. Lewis, like come the, back, you know, the assistant and, director being like, Lewis, please come back. Yeah. yeah. It's like, there is some, there, there are, uh, there, there are several. That, that wasn't, that wasn't the highlight of the episode until Lewis yes. left Mercedes for Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the pinnacle of all of these has to be the Christian Horner yeah. 
this is also just like I I don't even understand why Horner like I I mean I, I whatever Horner likes playing the villain apparently yeah I guess uh, and is like all on board with like yes like let me have a mustache twirling hunting event yeah that's you know just you know people reloading our rifles for us and mm-hmm. and whatnot like sure why not why not capture that you, you we were doing horseback riding last season this season let's you know let's go quail hunting or whatever whatever the hell they're doing um but then that apparently the horner family it is set up as though just for their family not at like a party or a banquet or a holiday yeah. party of some kind but it's presented as just for the Horner family and, you know, like the un, uncounted, uh, you know, camera people and grips and yeah. audio engineers and whatnot for the drive to survive crew Ugh. in the Horner home at Christmas time. They have Santa Claus. They have a you know, Father Christmas. A John. It's tier. it's British. Yes, it's Britain. It's Great Britain. So it's Father Christmas, not Santa Claus. Ugh. They have the top tier father christmas impersonator yeah um you know in their home Mm -hmm. privately and directly just for them and for their kids like as a like uh you know christian's gonna be like look kids you can tell your friends that you were the only ones that got to see father Mm -hmm. christmas you know walk through your house and whatnot so they spend a little time with father christmas who uh is you know asking everybody if they've been a good boy or girl and then is yeah. how he, he, have you been naughty or something like that like they like oh jesus yeah. father christmas has like dad been has has yeah has daddy been naughty this year or it's, it's like the phrasing is so like oh god but it is and you know and yeah. and i know that there was uh you know uh, there was a a summit held within the editorial suite of yeah. drive to survive with everyone just like perfecting like, okay, so how many frames do we stay on Christian's face before then cutting to his wife's face Yeah, and then cutting back to Christian and then showing his kids looking cute and innocent and then throw one more shot of Father Christmas in there. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. He's a scumbag. He's there a, we go. He's Nailed a total it. scumbag. It it really was uh, an, an incredible piece of editing uh and i assume you're right john that they did like like seal team six there or they like renditioned away a whole bunch of editors who were like asleep at uh at like when the lewis announcement came out when the horner allegations mm-hmm. came out they just like came in and like black bag over the head and then like they ended up taking the bag off and they're just in front of like a giant multi-screen editor suite um yeah, it was it was definitely some gross foreshadowing, uh, let's say. Um, but before we get into the gross foreshadowing, um, let's let's talk about Gunther Steiner because Gunther Steiner is such a he's such a major player when it comes to these Drive to Survive series, and now that he's gone you know, uh, scare quotes gone from the sport. Uh, he is basically like drive to survive, just lost like one of their, one of their stars. Um, so what were some things that like stuck out to you, uh, with Gunther's time in, in front of the camera? So they, 
it did feel as though they were almost baking in a little bit of like a Gunther legacy. Yeah. Yeah. In there, yep. they made a clear point, and they've touched on this in past seasons, but they really drove home, like, I forget which episode it was in, but there's like a Gunther going to his book signing, and they make a yes. point to show that, like, there's lots of, like, female fans that are all, like, wanting to have their picture taken with him, and so they, it's like a like little hard bit of, days, like, night, he's, like, style, where it's like, yes, okay, yeah. okay, this is, he is... Also, just a team principal. Let's calm down. Uh, it's very funny, though. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, why don't we why don't we segue from here mm-hmm. straight like straight out of? And I mean, there's a lot of other stuff within Drive to Survive, but like you know, it, you know the deal. Go check it out. Yeah, watch ch- it. I promise see, you. See yeah. what you think. Yeah. Feel free to feel free to hate on the parts of it that, you know, miss the mark, but let's let's all just be thankful that we even have, you know, something like this that we have a a, mm-hmm. a narrative light being shined on the sport yeah. that we care about so much that otherwise you just had to kind of read very traditional reporting about to try and fill in the gaps yeah. of what's happening there. Yeah. Very constrained um, traditional reporting. Like, yeah. So like straight out of drive to survive and, and like, I feel like it was almost like Gunther had a chance to like watch back his episode Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and was like, Ooh, yeah, that's right. I am Gunther Steiner. And then, and then basically opened up his social media app of choice Mm -hmm. and, you know, put out there into the world. I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not sure how this came out. I don't think he directly. It was uh, a text message. So it was basically, there was a, uh, I can't remember what publication it was. It's some European publication where basically the, like the, uh, there was a reporter who got to ask him straight away as soon as he left the team to be like, Hey, what happened? And Gunther was like, I really can't talk about it right now. I'm just, it's, it's too fresh. I'm not allowed to, there's too many things or whatever. And then like he sent a text message to that reporter with like the details, uh, just being like, okay, so I'm allowed to talk about this now. This is what happened. Uh, and it's not at all what we had suspected is this is, we are now, um, we are, we are, we we are at a dead sprint out of Johnny's trash corner, but instead of running out of Johnny's trash corner into like a clean part of the house, uh, kind of like in like those scary movies when like someone runs, uh, like runs into a room and you're like, no, don't go in there. There's no exit. Well, we've we've sprinted directly into the conspiracy closet. Uh, so uh, the conspiracy that we were trying to figure out or trying to like suss out here was. Did Gunther Steiner get fired by Gene Haas? Was there like a be all end all knockdown drag out fight that happened between the two of them? Turns out that's not at all what happened. What ended up happening was Gunther Steiner basically went out on some like Zach Brown from McLaren style uh, behavior and found a sponsor for Haas because. Gene, Gene Haas basically has refused to invest in the team um, because the team has not done that well, and it's a backmarker team, and this is like a sticking point. Well, it's, 
And it's worth noting the rumors around Steiner's departure was that he was getting increasingly upset mm-hmm. at the limited investment yeah. being made in the team. Yeah. Which is kind of discussed in Drive to Survive. Like there are moments mm-hmm. where him and Matea are like really like talking about like, hey, is this worth it? Is it worth struggling and working so hard and getting like absolutely no response uh and matea does like the meanest thing but does it in like the matea bonato version uh of like transmitting information which is like i mean you are finishing second to last so like yeah it's it's not worth it. It's all this effort is not worth it. Like it wasn't worth it for me. And I was finishing second to the first, uh, you're finishing second to the last. So like if I walked away from this a couple of years ago, buddy, mm, you might want to walk away too. And that was like the hint that was kind of dropped in the drive to survive episode. Uh, and that's ultimately what ended up happening where, Gunther brought this sponsor to Gene Haas. Gene Haas said, hard pass. So Gunther has taken a role with one of the German uh, broadcasters and will be providing. Perfect. You know, will probably be there like feet on the ground. I have to imagine that they're going to put him on location at the races yes. if it's just like. Yes. Gunther zooming in from his kitchen, uh, it'll be a, a total wasted opportunity. But I'm sure their their yeah. intent was to put him on the ground at the races and provide uh, some some commentary along the way, which I'm sure everyone far and wide will pick up and you know put back out yes. there into the world. Yes. It'll be so worth just getting people's reactions to him and like the fact that he is going to be in so much like higher, his spirits will be so much higher. Uh, I could only imagine. And like the incessant smack talk will absolutely reach a fevered pitch with him. Uh, Cause that's, that's who he is. He's a bit of a smack talker. So one, yeah, one I think can it's, hope. I think, yeah, I think it's great. And especially if we're not going to see him, going forward in the paddock uh, as a team principal or as a person who is a part of a team, I'm totally happy with him being a pundit. That's this is kind of like what we had, we had like speculated about this way back when, uh, when, when it was like, Oh yeah, he got fired. It was like, he's going to show back up as a pundit. But the fact that he's showing up on like German television as a pundit is like perfect. Yep. It couldn't be a better fit. Cause I'm sure that they allow swearing all over their airwaves so it's perfect it's perfect for gunther for perfect. his brand of shinsa uh um all right so yes <laughs> so uh, uh, so we're, we're we're playing around in this conspiracy closet here let's uh let's turn our attention i've now got a new board it's not just like the regular f1 board is on the main wall of the conspiracy closet mm-hmm. and then like if you turn to the left there's like a smaller board and it's just all Christian Horner. Uh, so this is Horner's corner within the conspiracy closet where we're getting, we're, we're going down levels. here. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. again, yeah. you know, uh, we, we cannot wait to completely, yes. uh, you know, destroy and remove and, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to call serve pro in to basically remediate 
the Horner corner yes. once it's no yes. longer required here on the F1 files. Yeah. Uh, all right. So actually a lot happening in the Horner corner mm-hmm. and even happening in like the past few hours um, as we're like, yeah. in real time while we're recording. So uh, Ford made a statement a few days ago saying, uh, Hey mm-hmm. guys, uh, we just want to be clear. And this is like Ford's responsibility to do so to be like, we're an official partner of yours. And we just want to make sure that everybody mm-hmm. knows we're still insisting you guys wrap this up and straighten this out and figure this out. ASAP. We asked you to yeah. solve this two weeks ago and it's still not mm-hmm. case closed what's going on like this is ford tapping their foot uh you know freezing accounts uh doing whatever Mm -hmm. pressure uh they can they can apply this situation to get it resolved quickly and i'm still i'm completely astounded that a this is still happening that b official formula one is like I, I guess it presumably they think they're like taking a high road by like not acknowledging this, but it also just makes everybody look awful when like the broadcasters aren't yeah. talking about it at all, that nobody's drawing any attention towards this and just pretending that it's not happening. Like to me, it's just, it's just not the right way to handle this it's, sort of stuff. It's like, it's like a company and sport wide, uh, exercise in gaslighting because all of us, I mean, and not just us, but I mean, obviously the employee who was victimized by Horner, it's gaslighting her even harder because it's like, Hey, why aren't we talking about like the biggest news outside of Hamilton moving to Ferrari? We are talking about the oldest, longest serving team principal in the sport. Not only like leaving, but basically being pushed out because of his own terrible behavior. Right. So it's, it, it really is bananas that F1 hasn't weighed in in any way, or they're just not allowing the, the people, the presenters to talk about this in any way, or even offer like any sort of like forum for dialogue. Yeah. It's like those press conferences are a perfect place to have an open-ended question. Right. Um, I've, I've seen people do it. I've seen them go like, so are there any off track issues that are distracting you? Like that was a question that was asked of Sergio at the launch. Mm-hmm. And he like gave like a terrible response, which is just, these are all distractions off track. I just want to go racing. And it's like, buddy, you're kind of, you're, you're singing the company song right now, which is like, just sweep it under the rug. Um, so I mean, not this is what Jim Farley said. Yeah, please. What's up? Oh yeah. So this, this is the exact, this is, these are the words that he said. He put this out. Jim as Farley, a CEO of Ford. Yeah. The, the guy who runs Ford in the U S and I think globally just in general. He's, yeah. Globally. Okay. So this is the guy who runs Ford. Uh, he says, we are frustrated by the lack of full transparency surrounding this matter with us your corporate partners. So it's not just a, a a a statement that's being released to the public. It's being released publicly and being directed at Red Bull specifically. So the fact that like Red Bull hasn't even shared any of what they're expecting to find with their most major corporate partner 
outside of Oracle. I'm supposing like this is probably the biggest title sponsor is Ford uh, other than Oracle. So like the fact that they just won't share any of the information or share the updates, like you said, John, two weeks ago, this dude was like, Hey, we would like this to get sorted out pretty quick because we're a family company. And if you got a sex pest, like in your midst, we're not going to do business with you. Um, It's, it is bananas. Uh, the fact that he won't step down, he won't take a a less public role in this is just it's it's unfathomable. I mean, it really is. I don't think anyone in the sport is going like, oh yeah, no, Christian's doing this the right way. It seems like everyone in the sport, yep. current people, old people, uh, and by old people I mean like former team owner Eddie Jordan made this incredible uh quote or gave this incredible quote um <laughs> and this is like Eddie Jordan who ran Jordan F1 he's like a very controversial figure within the sport yeah. especially when like we were growing up this was like he was a problem um <laughs> so this is what he says this is like a person who is a notorious problem within the f1 paddock and especially the way that he conducted business was like very shady and underhanded uh but this is what he says i've seen a lot of bad decisions but the red bull situation is the most absurd thing i've ever seen does anyone seriously believe that the employee made the accusations up out of thin air if horner is innocent Is she guilty? The damage to Red Bull's image is already huge. Someone has to pull the ripcord now. Again, this is Eddie Jordan saying this. Yeah. I mean, my God. First, we had Bernie telling Christian to resign. Now we've got Eddie Jordan being like, oh, guys, you look real bad. It's... Pretty, pretty Ooh, rough. There's, this pretty is a, rough. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's a lose-lose situation. So it's been stated that um, the report of the investigation mm-hmm. is going to be submitted uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, uh, February 27th or 28th. So we will see. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm expecting expecting that it's not like a, oh well it's going to take us a couple of weeks to digest the report i i'm pretty sure the report's going to come out somebody's going to be like uh quick flip to the page with the pictures on it and they're gonna <laughs> make yep. an immediate decision right then and there yep. and if not they're gonna be yeah. you know the decision will be made for them by others who will almost immediately have access to the report like ford oracle and any of the other sponsors and and whatnot yeah. Um, and I mean, currently they're working with Honda. If Honda wanted to come out right now and be like, hey, we are like, take our name off of your car and keep it out of your mouth. Yeah. Like, that is huge. This is devastating for Red Bull as an organization. Devastating. Um, and it was brought upon them by Christian Horner's behavior. No one made Christian Horner do the things that he did. He's responsible for this. And the team ultimately is responsible for trying to cover this up. Uh, again, there's more like more reports substantiating the idea that they were willing to pay this employee 650000 
uh, pounds to keep quiet, which is just like, okay, yeah, again, there's there are more people saying this now. It's yeah, it's a wrap for Christian Horner, and I if it weren't such an awful thing that he did, I would be celebrating it so much more. But the fact that he's getting fired or will have to resign because he has endangered an employee of his through his own like gross sex pest behavior, then like it's very hard to like celebrate that. That said, I will still celebrate the hell out of the fact that he is no longer in the sport and we don't ever have to listen to him on the pit wall ever again. Yep. I just, I'm so happy. Oh God, I can't wait. All right. So uh, hopefully it's like a matter of hours until Mm -hmm. we can, you know, close off properly quarantine uh, the the Horner corner, Mm -hmm. but. Uh, there yeah. it is. The, yeah. the, the saga, the drama, the grossness continues. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's ascend outwards, uh, upwards <laughs> yes, from yes, the, yes. the juvenile places from which we find ourselves starting mm-hmm. any of these conversations and let's get into yeah. what's really tangibly been happening in the world of formula one. Uh, ar- arguably tangibly, maybe not tangibly at all. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cars yeah, are hitting a... the track. Testing mm-hmm. in Bahrain has completed. We've seen all the cars, teams and drivers out on track, putting in some laps and we can begin to make some, we can infer some things. We can make some careful assumptions. There's some tea leaves that can be read. Uh, yeah, Corey, what are the highlights from testing that, that have caught your eye? Oh, highlights is such a tricky word. Um, okay. So a highlight from this most recent set of testing, let's not call it a highlight, was, we can say the clearest takeaway. It wasn't a highlight. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Red Bull racing, uh, has gone and done it again. They uh, they used the design of Mike Crack, uh, or not Mike Crack, Mike Elliott, um, the, the zero-pod concept, and basically made it work for them, for Red Bull. Uh, Red Bull is at least, according to the data, it looks like on a single lap pace, they are about two-tenths uh, ahead of Ferrari, who is the next fastest team. Uh, and then in race trim, uh, again, according to the data, uh, that looks like they're about uh, another two tenths ahead of Mercedes over the course of the whole race. Um, now, when I say according to the data, it's not just how fast did the cars go? How fast were the lap times? Because those are the most deceptive things that uh, show up. Uh, in 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 testing is like oh my god this person did an incredible lap time but lap times are entirely dependent on the fuel loads that they have in these cars and then also the engine map settings so basically you can like dial the car up to 10 and that will give you your true raw pace over the car, uh, over the course of one lap but it's very rare that teams do this 
at any point during the season, except during like critical qualifying matches at Grand Prix. It's very rare. And also there's no more like party mode with these engines. Mm-hmm. And I say party mode, it's a term that Hamilton came up with. We're basically Mercedes back in the early days of the hybrids. They had this extra engine setting that basically meant that their car was going to explode if they used it for too long. Uh, but it delivered the most horsepower uh, and like the quickest gear ratios imaginable. But during testing, no one ever wants to show their hand. And also people are just accumulating data over the course of the the week, basically. It's three days of testing. The schedule got a little bit funky. Um, the last day of testing is supposed to be two, two four-hour sessions, I think. Two, yeah, two four-hour sessions. But because of a drain, yes, we had another drain cover yep. come loose. And uh, we had another Ferrari impacted by a drain cover. Um, Luckily, it wasn't on a Grand Prix weekend, though. And luckily, they will have ample time to figure out how to assess that and deal with it. So we had a drain pop up, which caused the last qualifying or the last testing session to be, I think, just under nine hours. (laughs) They, like, combined the last two days or the last two sessions. It was bananas. They were like, oh, yeah, we're skipping lunch because we need to get testing in. So ultimately what's happening here is it looks as though Red Bull is going to trounce the entire field. Their engine settings were like halfway up. Their fuel loads were way higher. And Max still was like a full second ahead of everyone else uh, on his lap times. Yeah. So... And and not, the, the not other rumors good. are is that the development of the car is like perfectly poised for yeah. constant and potent evolution throughout the season. So yes, uh, yeah, on yes. the Red Bull side of things, it's kind of all bad news. Um, yes, yes. All right, so a a glimmer of hope. Yeah, what did you see in there, Johnny? Talk to me. There was something that you had shared with me uh, and and been directing many others towards, which is mm-hmm. this interview with uh, Mercedes engineer James Allison uh, talking mm-hmm. about, you know, basically being interviewed and being asked, like, how do you feel about your performance and where you're stacking up? And it's really fascinating because, like, the Mercedes team yeah. – have always been the master sandbaggers, the masters of underplaying, you know, how they're Mm -hmm. doing. And just as like a, as a front across the whole team, even in their most dominant years would, you know, come out of testing every year and be like, well, I don't know, guys, seems like we really got our work cut out for us this year and whatnot. Yeah. So sandbagging, just real quick to touch on that. Sandbagging is this term within F1. It's a term that a lot of people are aware of, but within F1 is literally what we were just talking about, where you turn your engine mode down a little bit, you put a little more fuel in the car so that even when it looks like you're hitting the accelerator and like pinning it, that's not as fast as the car can go. So that is what Mercedes is notorious for doing. They're so good at just sandbagging every single testing session uh, up until a couple of years ago 
when it didn't go so hot under when they oversold the car it was the zero pod car um but yeah sand, sandbagging they they are not they're they are not showing their real pace johnny well no and it would seem as though james allison is maybe the least good at keeping his cool yeah I've been trying to think yeah, of no like, poker face whatsoever. <laughs> there is an energy <laughs> yeah. that is exuding from him when he is interviewed about how they think things are stacking up and his words yeah. are mostly like controlled and sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, uh, we think we'll be, you know, competitive with Ferrari and whatnot. Um, yeah. and you look at him and he looks like, a kid who is, you know, standing in front of Santa Claus and is, you know, about to completely lose yeah. it. Like he looks as though he is overflowing with joy. He looks like the yes. the Molly has just kicked in. And yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like he it's it's insane. Uh yeah. It's like the cat if there's a if there was a, a cat that ate the canary, like on steroids like that is the expression that james allison has on his face where he's just like it's like the grinch when he smiles ear to ear and like his like it's like that like you're like whoa dude you are not hiding any of your excitement right now uh yeah and it's it's look at why why do you think this is so exciting john what 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 sticks out to you uh about this well i mean we we want to see Mercedes back on form. And so the general rumors mm-hmm. in the paddock are basically that everyone at Mercedes is just taking a huge sigh and just being like, yes, cool. We came to testing and the car is not complete and total garbage. Like it was for yes. the last two years. Yes. And not only that, but whatever it is, whatever state or condition it's in, we understand it. And we know Mm -hmm. what to do next. We know what to do before our first race in Bahrain. We know what we can do after that. We have, we just have, and I think I, I don't want, like, I'm optimistic that James Allison's, uh, Grinch smile is hiding Mm -hmm. some incredible progress, but I'm also fully aware that it, it could just be that it's just like solely just everyone's thrilled that it's not obviously a horrific disaster right from the yes. onset. And that because the last two years have been so miserable that they're, they're thrilled and ecstatic just not to be back in that position. Um, yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. It does. It has that, it has an element to it where it could either be truly impressive or it could just be like they've got like uh, like Stockholm syndrome with the 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 previous two Mercedes where they're just like, yep. oh, actually they weren't like that bad. This one's actually pretty good. And it's like, well, compared to what? And they're like the last two cars. And you're like, well, the last two cars were trash. So yes, yes, it's good that this new car is better. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. We will see. I don't. I don't trust the the shitty grin that uh, that James Allison had on his face, or that he was trying to hold back. 
because also he does do like the the debriefs from time to time yep. uh especially since he came back and like he kind of has that like smile kind of there like the glimmer behind his eyes even when the car wasn't that great so who knows who knows um but the thing that stuck out to me the most in that interview where it was him and Lawrence Barreto just kind of like briefly chit-chatting after the the last session of testing was he was like for the first time like we have correlation we now know that the parts that we made work the way that we expect them to which allows us to go back to the factory and actually build out those development lines that we were looking at pursuing because if the data lines up then that means the data will line up when we bring these upgrades down the road which is like that's the thing that mercedes suffered through so miserably yep. is every single time they try to bring an update to these cars the update would just not work or it would be so unpredictable uh lap to lap that they had no way of building up a platform but that's that's what james allison was saying he's like we finally have a platform that we can build off of, which, hey, I love that. I'm on board with that. Um, now, Ferrari looks as though they have incredible pace over one lap. Once again, they have made a car that is so just like, over the limit by like a tiny little fraction of a hair that it allows these two drivers to just do some of the best work over the course of one lap. Um, however, they are still dealing with some tire degradation. Now, this is this is the other thing that was so painful about yeah. listening to what happened with Red Bull. Yeah. Was, Red Bull was just straight up like, yeah, uh, all the different tires we used, we basically saw no tire degradation whatsoever, which is like, wait a second, these tires are designed to degrade. And if you figured out how to design a car that has eliminated the degradation of the tires, like that is, that's the indicator. That's how the rest of the field goes like, all right, it's time to strategize with our pit stops because eventually someone's tires degrade so much that it triggers all these pit stops. Yep. If Red Bull is not going to trigger pit stops, it's going to absolutely set the field behind them into chaos because then they're just going to have to be like, well, <laughs> I guess we pit at the last possible lap in the pit window because Red Bull's going to just completely run away with it. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be hard not to pivot back to Red Bull after we talk about every single uh, other team. Yep. <laughs> um, so who who are some people that uh, that disappointed you, John? Who were who are some some folks that were a little little underwhelming, would you say? So I didn't scour through every nuance of the Bahrain testing. Mm -hmm. Um, and there is a degree to which I, I'm comfortable, like keeping a little bit of distance from the testing because I know like there's only going to be so much that's not yeah. fully disguised by shenanigans 
But I will say yeah. at the other end of the grid, it does seem as though mm-hmm. everyone evaluating testing much more closely that I have come to a unanimous decision, which is that yeah. Alpine have shown up with like the worst car that F1 has seen in a few seasons. In like multiple seasons, like maybe even worse than when Haas was like before these regulation changes yeah. took place. Like it's, and I mean, like they're ha- maybe behind Williams, which is like, what? I mean, Haas was coming in saying, we are, we, we're fully confident we're going to be dead last. We've got mm-hmm. a lot of work to do. We're in yeah. a miserable position. And everyone is now saying, mm-hmm. no, actually, uh, Alpine is going to be dead, yeah. dead last, uh, which is, yep. whoo, which is kind of astounding For a to me. Constructor. For a constructor, like folks, this is this is one of the big things within F1 is if you have a team like Mercedes, like Ferrari, like McLaren, like Red Bull, even uh, Red Bull isn't fully their own constructor, but they're making steps to become the they are making steps to become a constructor by constructor. I mean, they're going to create their own engines to then put into those cars. So if you are a team that has control over the manufacturing of your power unit, it stands to reason that you will be better off than any of the customer teams who did not develop those engines. So the fact that Alpine, who are Renault, Mm -hmm. the fact that they cannot provide their their customer team, their manufacturer, their constructor's team with an engine that is suitable, not just the engine either. The other thing is they're like, oh yeah, the engine's like uh, looking pretty bad. The arrow's real, real bad. And also it's painfully overweight. It's like, what? <laughs> what is happening yeah. with Alpine? How did you get it that wrong three years into the regulations? This is the third year we're seeing these regs. Yep. Like if it was year one, maybe a little bit forgivable. Right, maybe a little bit like, oh, you just got it wrong. Year two is like, okay, you should really, you shouldn't be getting it wrong anymore. Year three is like, what are you doing? What happened? <sighs> but yeah, that's that 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 blew my mind when I started seeing the reflections yeah. of all these people going like, oh, Alpine looks bad and i was like oh yeah no i don't really like the cards a little bit you know there's maybe a little bit too much carbon fiber on it and then (laughs) hearing them clarify and being like no 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 yeah the car looks kind of bad but also objectively by every metric we have in f1 this car is bad and you've got two drivers who are out of contract at the end of the year like it's like Alpine needed to show up to try to keep Esteban Ocon because Esteban Ocon is absolutely a great candidate for that Mercedes seat to be a person who goes and just hops into that Mercedes seat for a year. Absolutely. I mean, he's tall like George, so they wouldn't have to do too much like finagling with the actual cockpit design. Like there are so many things that Esteban Ocon could do to go and just easily sublimate into the Mercedes system. 
And if Alpine can't provide him a good car, I can't imagine he would want to stay there. Not not for much longer. So you mentioned Haas, John. What are your thoughts on the Haas? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm just expecting Haas to be in perpetual shambles. Um, like, yeah, probably lost without daddy Gunther who like, Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, I don't know. Gunther wasn't, you know, by no means was he a, a ace team principal, but he was like, he was like the guy that was just barely holding the orphanage together, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. He was, uh, he was, uh, w- w- uh, Chris Evans holding on to the helicopter as the winter soldier, yep. uh, tried to take off from the Avengers base. He's, uh, Superman stretched across, uh, <laughs> train tracks, trying to keep a locomotive from going over into a ravine. Like it's really, oh God, he, he, he was keeping them together and it sounds, I mean, people have been like, Hey Kev, Hey Nico, how, what's the morale like in the team? And they're like, IO is great. IO's uh, phenomenal. He's an engineer. He's like a, a good person. You can like go and talk to him about like real issues and he can offer you real solutions. He comes from an engineering background. So like it's, it's nice, but also mm, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if IO's, like uh, as strong, uh, certainly not as strong of a personality as Gunther, but I don't know if he's going to be as effective in that role because he doesn't have as big of a personality. I mean, that's I guess that's the thing. That was Gunther's key attribute was that he had a really strong yeah. back for the the train, the runaway train to run over, over and over and over yeah. again, and still survive that. So I don't know if anybody else yeah. could could handle that. Um, yeah, uh, no. certainly concerned for the, the fellas at Haas. Yeah. So, um, let's, uh, let's pivot here to Alpha Tauri, AKA the RBs is what everyone's calling them now, I guess. Um, which is like, uh, sure, whatever. Uh, they looked pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. They look pretty strong, pretty consistent. Looks like they're probably going to be like a fifth or sixth spot. They're probably going to take fifth or sixth in the championship, which great. Good for them. Uh, not so good for Aston Martin, though. Not so good for Aston Martin. Yeah. What's, what did you see? Uh, it, it just doesn't. It looks like that magic that they had at the beginning of mm-hmm. last season is extremely fleeting. Um, what a, yeah. what do you, where do you, where do you yep. think they're headed? I think because at the end of the year, they were able to kind of get their car back onto the development track that they wanted. Maybe they are going to now push forward on that development plan. Um, But I think that one of the reasons why Red Bull pivoted to this, you know, pseudo zero pod design was because they realized that their design was going to hit a ceiling. And I think that, the Aston Martin may or may not have they're they're about to hit that ceiling or they've hit it already. Um, so I think that that's going to be a, a problem for them going forward uh, and a problem for Fernando Alonso. 
If Fernando is not competitive, John, we will 100% see Dark Alonso. Yes, absolutely. We will 100%. Yep. Last year, we were like hoping for it. This year, it's almost a guarantee um, because he's out of contract at the end of this year, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, he leaves, he can leave Aston Martin at the end of this year and maybe go and be a seat filler for Kimi Antonelli at Mercedes. Um, so, there's maybe that's an option for him. Um, or maybe he's going to move on to the uh, Sauber, the Audi Sauber project. Who knows? Uh, having two Spanish drivers, right? Because maybe Carlito will go to Audi Sauber, and then maybe Fernando Alonso will go to Audi Sauber. Then you've got two incredible Spanish drivers, two incredibly fast people driving for the same name. They seem to get along well. I mean, we'll see. So we got two more here, Johnny. Williams, how do you feel about Williams? I think Williams are... I'm just confident that they're on the upswing. I think the James Vowles mm-hmm. injection is paid off so far, but I think yeah, me too. we'll, you know, as we get later into this season, we'll start to really see the benefits of his presence in the team. What was your what was your yeah, feeling on Williams? So. Um, I mean it was they had a tough couple of days. The first couple of days, Logan Sargent spun around quite a bit. So they were having some issues with the rear end of their car because it's an all new setup for them. Uh they did take the Mercedes gearbox so that means that they have uh, a different suspension in the back of that car so they're just trying to get in in onto onto level playing field um with these other people who have upgraded their platforms Mm -hmm. and i think they'll they'll probably do pretty well they'll be mid-pack i think i don't think they're going to be lingering down in the back with haas and alpine um i think that they're probably going to make their way up and maybe even be challenging I mean, I'm probably going to eat my words on this, but I think maybe they'll be challenging Aston Martin at certain points um, uh, in the middle of the season. (sighs) All right. Last but not least, we've got Daddy Bruce McLaren's team. Yep. How are you feeling about those McLarens, Johnny? I think... So, I mean, the, the biggest takeaway for me was that they didn't have giant disasters like they did last season Mm -hmm. during testing where like they just couldn't even like get the car out of the garage effectively. Yep. Like, no, no, not effectively. Literally, John, I think like the first couple of days they had like eight laps over the course of like 12 hours of testing. Like it was abysmal for them. Yep. This is, uh, totally correct. So I think, uh, I wonder if they might be sandbagging the most. I think they are too, Johnny. I think between them and Mercedes, there is some serious sandbagging happening yeah. on that on the island of Great Britain. A lot of, a lot of baggy um, sand out there. Um, yeah, yeah, yep. Um, but I do, I don't know. I mean, I'm really, really excited to see what Oscar Piastri can do in that car this year. Yeah. I know everyone's like, yeah, Lando, Lando, Lando. But I am completely convinced that Oscar Piastri, if he has a good car, will be competing for race wins this year. Yeah, I think when he's not I have no doubt in my mind. When when Piastri isn't grabbing the spotlight, he's just like 
sitting in the corner quietly maturing rapidly into this sport. Yeah. And this will be his yeah. first not a rookie season. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think when he gets increasingly comfortable, he's going to be very, very dangerous first and foremost to Lando Norris. Yes, yes. And then secondly, to the Mercedes. I think that yep. that is going to be a real problem for Mercedes because they dealt with customer teams beating them last year. And it's going to be really, really heartbreaking if they've got a customer team that doesn't uh, doesn't, doesn't get in line behind them this year. Um, oh, one last thing about Mercedes. I guess two last things. One is the front wing. The front wing was deemed legal, so everyone's fine with that like kind of floating fourth element of the the front wing. Yep. But the thing that really really caught everyone's attention but went under the radar until like the third day of testing is the anti-dive suspension that Mercedes has in the front of their car. So this is some revolutionary stuff similar to the dual axis steering. So the DOS system that they had. Um, uh, It is a a brand new feature on F1 cars in general. And I was listening to Sam Collins go through why it's so like so innovative. So basically the way that suspensions work, especially like front suspensions uh, is you those suspension links link directly to the chassis. So they they bolt directly to the frame of the car. In every other circumstance, in the history of F1, you cannot change the position of your suspension because in order to do that, you would literally have to swap out the entire chassis of the car and start building back up. Mercedes has come up with an innovation where they have multiple linkage points on the chassis of their new car, which means that they can control their suspension between circuits. And this is something that James Allison was talking about in that little interview where he was like, yes, there's some stuff that like we really needed to test out over the course of testing because it's impossible to do it over the course of a Grand Prix weekend. And this is specifically what he was talking about. So they are going to be able to use their data to look back on what suspension is going to work best. And then they're going to be able to show up to different Grand Prix with at least two different options for an anti-dive front suspension. Hmm. I say at least two because we only saw two during testing. And we saw an upper mountain and a lower mount. But there is room between those two upper and lower mounts for a third option. So Mercedes may have as many as three options, maybe more, for their anti-dive suspension, which is what made Red Bull the dominant car that it was over the past two years. So, I mean, it's another reason why James Allison was like beaming (laughs) because everything worked, even the cool new thing that like... When the renders came out, everyone was like taking the piss because they were like, oh, these uh, these digital artists, they left like an extra suspension arm yep. in there on Mercedes and like, oh, I guess no one really cares about the digital renders. And then the thing showed up and it was like, that was not a mistake. We actually have multiple suspension linkage points. And people were like, wait, no, what? No, you can't. But how? 
how did you do that? And this is something that we probably will never fully understand how they did because this is proprietary tech and they are never going to show Mm -hmm. the interior of this car. The only way we'll end up seeing the interior of that is if there is an accident that somehow rips the body paneling off, but leaves the suspension fully intact, which is like, that's not going to (laughs) happen. So chances are, we're never going to know how they did this, but it's really, really cool to know that like Mercedes has not lost their flair for the, oh, hey, we're just going to come up with something that like no one else thought was possible and we're going to bolt it onto the car and everyone else is going to freak out over it. Mm -hmm. So huge shout out, huge shout out to Mercedes for for that. Um, And additionally, they could be sandbagging. So like some people are going, is the Mercedes actually going to be competitive with the Red Bull this year? And... My guess, my speculation, John, yes. Oh. I think they are. I think they are. Stop it, Corey. You get I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I have to shift in my seat, too, because I became very uncomfortable even saying that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, boy. All right. So that's testing, baby. That's testing. Oh, my goodness. What else? Anything else pop up on your radar or pop up on your social media feed <laughs> over the course of this record? No, my my radar my radar is clear. Otherwise, I think yeah. it's pretty much just hey, all we got to do is just sit back and relax because it's race week, baby. Mm-hmm. We've got it is race week. We are going into Woo! our first race of the season, a Saturday race. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you haven't, mm-hmm. uh, yep. If you're not if you're not up on things, we are racing on yeah. Saturday uh, this weekend and the following weekend. Uh, so be on mm-hmm. the be on the lookout for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. I just can't wait for that first qualifying session effectively to really yeah. see where everybody sits and what's really going on out there in the field. Yeah. Yep. I can't wait, dude. I cannot wait. Uh, with that in mind, I think the stock is through the roof. I think the stock is absolutely th- as much as it was climbing up and creeping up yeah. and spiking over the past month. We are now in race week. It's happening. Yep. It's happening. Uh, so full, full hockey stick straight up in the air. The stock goes mm-hmm. drive to survive testing finished mm-hmm. Christian Horner about to get dragged into a paddy wagon. You know, it's, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. It's all coming together. It's all all coming together. It is. It is. Uh, God. All right. Well, Johnny, where can the folks find you out there in the world? Uh, You can catch up with me uh, via my home base, johnnymotion.com. Corey, where can the folks find you? You can track me down at CoreyPWillis.com. And then there's also all the social media stuff to burn Corey burn and all the stuff. And then also the F1 files on Twitter, on TikTok, and the F1 files pod on Instagram. Folks, I promise you we are going to catch up with you next week because we will have the results of the Bahrain Grand Prix. That's right. And you better catch up with us. the next time (laughs) on the F1 Files.